Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Why don't you turn to someone and say, you are looking good. Okay, so if you were sitting next to a single person and you were a single person, there's a great line to start with, isn't it? You are looking good. Why don't we pray, hey? Open our hearts to God's Word this morning. I believe God's got something good for you this morning because God's always got something good for us. Amen? So we're going to open our hearts. Let's, let's have big open hearts to receive His Word. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your goodness, for your goodness, God. Thank you for sending Jesus to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you, Jesus, you sent the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you came. Oh, lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, let your word go forth and touch our hearts. We want to be like Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Well, it's good. It's good to see the rain, raining, raining, raining. Nothing better than rain except for sunshine and butterflies and puppy dogs. That's what they say. Anyway, that's how it goes. Well, we are going to continue in our series of the Gospel of John, and I hope you are taking time to read it and look at it and meditate on it. And we are moving up to chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles, open the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And uh, this is an incredible story that comes, uh, that comes out that John reflects on. Remember, he is writing this, and he is, he's actually a very old man. Some believe he's about between anywhere between 80 and 90. He's an old man. He's reflecting. He's been, a, he's been saved by the power of the blood of Jesus. He was there. He was a witness at the cross. He was there when the Holy Spirit came, and there were tongues of fire. They were filled with the Spirit. I mean, John has an amazing life and he writes this incredible reflection and we know why he wrote this because in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 31, he says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. We need to continue to believe, not fall away. Whatever we're going through, that's fair enough and a challenge, but we've got to continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by His name, believing in His name, we will have power for life. And so I want you to keep that thought in your head that John writes this, this whole gospel, and every story that you come across, he is trying to bring to us the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So, let me just set this up for us so we can, when we read the Scriptures, because it's quite a long passage of Scripture, there's a whole, I think, 42 verses. <gasps> oh my goodness, 42 verses in the Bible, wow. But we're going to break it up, we're going to look at the story and we're going to pull different things out of it. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to touch your heart when we come to different parts for different reasons. We're going to let the Spirit of God touch us, Yes? And so that we can go, oh wow, hey, there's something there for me that perhaps that I need to move towards. 
So Jesus is leaving Judea, and he is going to move to a new area. He's going to move to Galilee. And this is the Samaritan woman. We're talking about the Samaritan woman at the well. So I just want to show you something. So Jesus is living, leaving Judea, and he is now setting up and going to Galilee. Now, the distance of walking, because they didn't have anything else but walking and, I guess, camels and so forth. But if you were a Jew and you a, a, you know, like had a very strong conviction about keeping your relationship with God right, what would happen is, instead of taking a direct route from Judea to Galilee and pass through Samaria, you would actually go around Samaria and you would go east of the river. So I've got a map here to kind of like give us an idea of what was taking place. So I, I know that's probably a little bit hard to see, but I'm, I hope this point of work. So this is where kind of like Judea is, this is Samaria, and this is Galilee. So Jesus is going from here to here. Now, a Jew who didn't want to become unclean, he would take the time to travel this way on the east of the Jordan up that way. And that would take six days. Six days of walking. But if you took a shortcut and you actually went like, oh, like that, press the wrong button, here we go. You went like that, that would only take you three days. That's a big difference. But you see, a Jew, they didn't, they didn't really want to go through Samaria because if you came in contact with a Samaritan, you would be considered unclean. And then you'd have to go through all the dramas of being clean, of making sacrifice and being purified. And it was just, ugh, it was just a nuisance. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, do I have to do that? Well, yes, you have to do that if you want to be clean. And not only that, the Samaritans, there's a lot of tension between them and the Jews. Now, the Samaritans originally were the northern kingdom. They were Israel. And the other side lower that, that was the tribe of Judah. That was the southern, I, I guess, kingdom we'll call it, which it was. And what had happened is this. They, they were originally the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom, but what happened is they were invaded by foreign nations and they took a lot of the people out of the northern kingdom and they took them back to their country. And then they imported other people. And so now there is a mix of Gentiles and Jews and what happens is these other nations came and they brought their other gods to worship. And they, they set it up so that they could really just intermingle and mix it up and, oh, we'll have a little bit of this and a little bit of that and that looks pretty good and we'll worship God that way. Now, to a Jew, a, you know, someone who says, I'm, you know, I'm of the tribe, you know, of this, we don't want anything to do with that. But it goes deeper than that. There's not only did they begin false worship, but do you remember the story of Ezra and Nehemiah when there was a rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem and Jerusalem itself? 
That took place about 450 BC. And what had happened was, those in the north, the Samaritans, heard that the city was going to be rebuilt. So they said, hey guys, we'll come and help. And those who were in Jerusalem said, no you don't. No, no, no. You're not the same as us. You're the others. The other people. Well, can you imagine going to help someone and just wanting to build? I mean, dig holes, carry bricks, and they said, sorry, you can't help because you're not pure. You're half-castes. You're Samaritans. You have no right. Stay away from us. And there were several other incidents throughout this period of time that's going back to 450 BC. Jesus comes, and we know when his birthday is, that's in O, and then after that. So this is an enormous amount of time where there's this hatred towards each other, literally hatred. So Jesus says this, so we're going to read what the Scripture says from John chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself did not baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his sons, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I want to say this. Jesus had to go. It says he had to go through Samaria. Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? What is Jesus all about? Jesus is about bringing reconciliation between God and man. Bridging the gap, making the way, showing how you can have a relationship with God. He had to go through Samaria because he was on a mission. He was on a mission from God to reconnect people, even the Samaritans who were considered nothing less than dogs. Think about the heart of Jesus. Instead of those, you know, those six days staying outside that exclusion zone, he goes through that zone with this one purpose, to connect with other people. You know, we have a mission as well. What is our mission? To connect people to God. And in this incredible story, we're going to see some amazing things that kind of like that are brought out by Jesus. He didn't care what other people thought. He didn't mind that people would misunderstand. He just knew he had to begin the connection with those who were on the outside. We have a responsibility to connect with those on the outside of the promises of God. So Jesus is about to start reconciliation and revelation. This is absolutely just out of the box, so different that anyone could possibly have thought. And Jesus comes to Jacob's well. 
Jacob's well. Hmm. What's the significance of that? Well, Jesus is a Jew and he worships the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But Jacob's well is right in the middle of Samaria. It's an important thing how God sets things up for you to create that connection. Then he's sitting at that well and it says that he is tired, he's exhausted from the heat, it's noonday, and he's sitting maybe leaning against the well and looking down the well. Now Jacob's well is quite an interesting well. It's not a spring well. It's actually a well where water just trickles in and percolates in. And it's 30 meters deep, 100 feet. It's not like you can just kind of like dip in. You would literally need to have rope of 30 meters and a bucket of 30 meters. And Jesus is sitting there and his disciples decide, man, we've, let's go and get some food and water. So they go off and off they go. And this is what takes place. Soon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Not just a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman. Why do you ask me? a drink I mean if we could really understand the cultural intensity of what has taken place right now you Jews have nothing to do with us I'm a Samaritan do you, do you know I'm a Samaritan I'm a Samaritan woman and Jesus says this if you only knew the gift God has for you and who is speaking to you you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Oh my goodness, living water. Living water, does water live? How can water be alive? I mean, hmm. and she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Don't you know how deep this well is? And she said, this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? Now, if I was Jesus, I would say this, after she asked me the question, before Abraham was, I was. That's what I would say. But I'm not Jesus. And everyone said, you're pretty quick on that response. He says, how can you offer, she says, how can you offer me better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. That's true. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Uh -huh. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. This is so cool. She says, please, sir. Please, sir. 
just note this. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. And it's transitioned in this conversation with Jesus from, you're a Jew, to please her. The woman said, give me this water that I will never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Jesus is sitting there in the middle of the day. He's on a mission from God. He wants to connect the people. His disciples go and a woman comes. And here's the reality. She's a thirsty soul. A thirsty soul. And she says, why are you asking me for a drink? In other words, in that is this kind of like, what do you want from me? What do, what, what do you want from me? The bizarre thing is, is Jesus actually does something that is incredibly humbling. He asks a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman for a drink. Wow. And Jesus says these words in their mind blowing. She said, if you only knew the gift of God that he has for you, you are speaking to, you would ask him to give you living water. And then she says, are you greater than our ancestors, Jacob? So Jesus switches it up. He switches it up and he says this, but those who drink this water that I give will never thirst again. Her reply is a classic because she is thinking in circumstances and the pain that is attached to her in her life at this moment. So I don't have to come. She says, please, sir, give me this water that I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here and get water. Please, please give me this water. I don't, I can't take it coming here anymore in the middle of the day because they never went to get water in the middle of the day because it's the hottest part of the day and it was actually the responsibility of the woman within the family to get water every morning and she can't even do it. The distance from Jacob's well to that, that village where she came from was about one and a half miles. And she's walking in the heat of the day just so she doesn't have to put up with other women looking at her, sneering at her and going, <laughs> I wonder what number husband she's up to today. She's in pain. She's frustrated. She's been disenfranchised from people just because her life didn't go the way she thought. She's trying to find fulfillment in a relationship that she hopes will bring her that peace and her joy. But every time that she connects with a man and gets married, so to speak, there's pain, 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 pain. Please, sir, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming here. Please, sir. How often have I asked the Lord, help me with this. Help me in this circumstance. Now, I think this is absolutely a word for someone right here. Because you see, Jackie this morning shared about something. About our relationship. 
I didn't know what she was going to say. She doesn't know what I'm going to say. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. The pain that we have, the experiences that we have, and the shame, the embarrassment, the fear, the anxiety, the worry of all those experiences that we've had, and we're trying to replace them with something with a quick fix. Give me that water so I won't have to come here. Help me deal with the situation that's going on in my life so I can come away from being sneered at and not coming in the, the middle of the day. It's not the answer. You see, she's thinking in terms of her circumstances. She's not thinking in terms of a different life. That's why Jesus calls it living water, because it brings life. He gives me power in my circumstances, in my trials, in my challenges, and he uses them to change me. The thing that you've gone through, the thing that bothers you the most, that is what God wants to use to change you. He doesn't remove me from my circumstances. He comes into my circumstances and He gives me power in those circumstances. And when I allow Him to come in and trust Him and He's with me, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. He is with me. This woman, she's thinking with her mind. Dear friends, we are going to have things that pop into our life that we would never, ever expect. I've had experiences where something is said and I go, say what? So what do I do? Do I allow that? To rule me, or do I let Christ comfort me and I rule with Him in that circumstance? Circumstances that come into your life can rule you rather than let Jesus be the rule of your life. And if I can change that because my mind is battling with it, my emotions are torn and twisted with it, and I feel like I can't go on. I can't do this. There's too much. It's, I can't handle it anymore. If I pause and I stop and I say, Jesus, you've got this. You've got this. And you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. Because the reality is we're thirsty souls sometimes. And that woman is just looking for the answer for her life. The answer for her life. And then Jesus, listen to the question that Jesus asks. Wow, this is just it's amazing. And he's getting to the truth of the matter. This is what he says. He says, go and get your husband. Go and get your husband. Do you know that that question, that word at that moment, hit her right between the breastbone. Oh, go and get your husband. Jesus, she said, Jesus said to her, 
I don't have a husband. You're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly have spoken the truth. I just love that. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Jew, sir, prophet. Notice that when Jesus brings revelation, he builds on the revelation of who he is in our life. Because we learn little bit by little bit, line upon line, precept upon precept. It strengthens us, it fortifies us. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And you know what? Jesus does not condemn her for what her life was like. In fact, by reading this, he says to her, you certainly have spoken the truth. Because Jesus always wants us to get to the truth of the matter and not cover it up. He doesn't belittle her. And she realizes that this guy is a prophet. Do you know, Jesus knows your deal. He knows your beginning. He knows the end. He knows exactly where you are. But the question is, are you going to be honest about it like the woman? So the conversation continues. And now she is absolutely engaged because she has said, you're a prophet. And the conversation again changes. She's kind of like, well, yep, he knows I haven't got a husband. I haven't got a husband. The guy I'm with, he's not my husband. I've, I've spoken the truth. This guy, he's a prophet. And she probably thinks to herself, I wonder what else he knows. I mean, this guy's in connection with God. I mean, that's what prophets are, aren't they? They're connected with God. I never like to go to the prophets' meetings, all right, after the weekend. You know what I mean? I knew I shouldn't have had that other piece of cheesecake. Oh! Prophets all know. So this is what takes place. This is what she says. So she says, so tell me, why is it that you Jews, okay, hang on, she's back to you Jews again, insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. Imagine that. Well, we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jew. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And she says this, the woman said, I know. Remember, Jesus said, you know little, at least she knew something. She was engaged, she knew what the Jews believed, 
She knew what they believed. And she, folks, she couldn't kind of like put it together. How come you Jews say you've got to be in Jerusalem? And our people say we've got to be on the mountain. What's going on here? I just can't, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Do you know, if something doesn't make sense to you, it's probably not correct. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. Oh, the one who is the Christ. Call the Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. What is going on here? What did John say the purpose of the book was? These things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in his name, you will have power and life by his name. And she says, look, I don't know everything. Now, there's a woman that's really, really honest. I don't know everything, all right? But I know this. It doesn't make any sense. You guys saying you have to worship in a building, and our guys saying we've got to worship on a mountain. And Jesus says, listen, true worship, honest worship, real worship, validated worship is when you worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, I'm going to explain that in a minute. So just sit down and buckle up and hang on to the person next to you. She says, the Messiah, the one who's called the Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. She is in a conversation with him. It's just bizarre. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Here's the problem. We can have little knowledge about all this deal going on. (laughs) She realized, she perceives he's a prophet, he's a man who's in connection with God. And the question, you think about this, what is she doing all her life? She's trying to find a relationship that would be loving. She's trying to find a relationship where she can find peace and harmony and respect and honor. And she doesn't find it in man. Oh, men. (laughs) Seriously. And all the women said, not you, Pastor Jim. All right, very good. You see what she's trying to do? She's trying to fill her life up. She knows there's there's that, that hole, the gap that's in the middle, and she's trying to find it in a relationship She's looking in the wrong place. She's looking in the wrong place. And Jesus said, listen, it doesn't matter if it's on the mountain. It doesn't matter if it's in a building. It only matters when you worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, why is that? I tell you, folks, for years when I've read that, I'm going, okay, I need to, I've got to get a handle on this. What is spirit and truth? Because I want, to, I want to worship God the way that Jesus said I should worship God. I just don't want to sing songs for this, the sake of the, the words that are up there. I want this connection that's real and alive and, and, and bursting forth. Spirit and truth. Why spirit and truth? Because God is spirit. God is spirit. You are made up of three incredible things. A body, a soul, and a spirit. 
Now, the soul and the spirit are the in, eternal, the unending part of who you are, the invisible, the unseen. You know, when someone says, oh, you're just such a character, that's part of your soul. It's who you are. But your spirit, you see, your soul is your self-consciousness, but your spirit is your God-consciousness. And when you worship God, you must connect with God through your spirit, and your God-consciousness is your intuition. It's your consciousness. It's that part that goes like that. Because God is a spirit, and when God created man, it says that he breathed into man the breath of life. And he became a living being, because before that, he was just made out of dust. But now he is a living being with a soul, with will, emotions, and intellect. But also, he is uh, one who, is, who has that consciousness of God, has communion with God, an intuition. That is why the Scripture says that God has written his laws in our heart so that we might know him in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Because in the heart of everyone, there is this desire for truth and knowledge of who God is. So we must worship Him out of that consciousness, that intuition, and by communion. And then He says, truth. Truth. Jesus is standing before Pilate. And Pilate says, what is truth? And Jesus is standing before Him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, it is the truth of who Jesus is. It's having the revelation of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. We have to acknowledge who he is. When we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, when we say Jesus is Lord, we know that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. And it is us having that understanding, that conviction that he is God. So when Jesus said, you must worship in spirit and in truth, it is by that internal, unseen part of you, but tied with that, is understanding who I am, and I am the Son of God. It's not out of arrogance, because it is only through Christ are we reconciled to God. And when we worship Him, we worship Him with that understanding, so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This is the part where true worship takes place. It's a, it's a place where we serve where we understand our relationship with God. You cannot connect to God out of your flesh or with your soul. You can only connect with God with your spirit. I mean, this morning, who sensed the presence of God this morning? Man, I did. And was it kind of like that intellectual, hmm, no, it's here. It's that conscious, that's intuition, that's a communion. Just at the place of just... When we, we got to a certain place, ago, go, thank you, Lord, you're here. 
That's my spirit connecting with that. But there is no real connection with God unless I know who he is by Christ. And that's why we worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit connection. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. Wow. <laughs> I just love this story. It's, I would really love to see a little mini movie about this. Just then, his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman and none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? Now, let me tell you this. Okay. So these Jewish guys, all right, all their life, they've been surrounded by religious leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. And there, is a, <laughs> there are a group of guys called Pharisees called the bruised Pharisees. All right? Now, the bruised Pharisee, actually, there's, there's the... Uh, the white fruit Pharisee, there's the uh, pestle Pharisee, but the bruised Pharisees, this is just wonderful, these guys are just hilarious. They were so committed to worshipping God that if they're walking down the street and they saw a woman, they would close their eyes and run away. And they would then bump into walls and fall over and hurt themselves. You go and look it up, call the bruise, oh, 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 and they just run off like that, into, into nowhere, falling over bruising. So these disciples have been growing up, and it is forbidden to look at a woman, let alone talk to a woman, let alone talk with a Samaritan woman. And that's why they didn't, they knew that Jesus had something, you know, he was, he was the, you know, He's got it all going. There's miracles happening. So they say, no, no, no. They don't ask, why are you talking to her? <laughs> this is so, so good. The woman left the water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. All right? In the middle of the day, a woman running, okay, in the middle of the day, just unheard of, telling everyone, <laughs> come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, there's a great statement there. I'm sure they're going, okay, this is so good. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Could he possibly be the Messiah? Wow. The disciples are so shocked. So shocked. Shocked and clueless. You know what encourages me about this? I am often shocked and clueless about what Jesus is doing. Have you ever been shocked when Jesus saves someone or does something? Don't you feel totally clueless? How encouraging is that for us? Turn to the person next to, to you and say, I think you would be shocked and totally clueless. Go on, make them feel good. You can do it. Don't be afraid. Go on, you're... Sh okay. Okay. <laughs> 
So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, get something. But Jesus replied, I've had a kind of food you know nothing about. Uh, Did someone bring him food while we were um, gone? The disciples asked each other. So they're having a little powwow on the side. What's going on? Did someone give him food? (laughs) Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. They were shocked and clueless. But they didn't know what true nourishment was yet. Do you know what the true nourishment of life is? It's bridging the gap and bringing people into relationship with Christ Jesus. That's the thing that gives us life and energy. And then Jesus says this. They just they didn't get it. They didn't get it. He says, you know the saying, four months between planting the harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying that in relation to this woman who is trying to fill her life with all sorts of stuff that she never found fulfillment in in relationship. He says, in other words, there are thousands of people out there who are just lost, who don't have that peace. And he says this, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will gather the harvest. And the point is, is this for us. Not to bring condemnation, not to bring frustration. Wake up and look around. Just take the time to sit down. Wake up and look around. I was in the city on Friday night. We went out with some friends. And we're walking through this area where there's lots of food. And I tell you, honestly, I just, in here, I just thought, these people are just lost. They're just lost. They don't even know that they're lost. But I have a responsibility to share with the lost. That's our responsibility. That's the life that we have. It's our responsibility. I have to wake up and look around rather than just going through life from one place to another. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. Where once there was hostility between Samaritan and Jew, they're now begging him, stay, you have the words of life. You've got living water that will quench our soul. So Jesus, he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. They said to this woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. The Samaritans believed 
changed the course of history for a nation because he had to go through Samaria for that woman who then spoke the truth, confronted the reality of the pain in her life and told others of what a saviour had done and many believed. What an amazing, amazing type of situation that we have so that we could continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I want you to be encouraged this morning. Why don't we just stand? Let's just stand and let, why don't we just close our eyes. The musicians come. I think that would be good. And this story of one person who took the chance of just being open and honest and then sharing her story. We've all got a story. We've all got to be pointing to those who are just lost. We have to wake up and look around. Because the answer is Jesus. Why don't we close our eyes? Let's just focus on him for a moment. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you love us and care for us. We thank you that you are good to us. We thank you that you are the answer, that you give living water Lord, regardless of our circumstances, the things that we've done, you're going to be with us and we're going to walk through them. And I pray, God, this morning for anyone, Lord, who's, who's feeling that struggle about whatever they've gone through, whatever they're going through, that you would give them the assurance in their heart that you are with them. And Lord, you're going to help us get through that because you're with us, you're with us, you're with us. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.